Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored by Ben Chakshur, dedicated in honor of his wife Limor and in celebration of the birth of their new baby girl, Bishatova Mutzlahat. Breakfast in the Class is also dedicated for the Rifuash and of Police Abad Rachel, sponsored anonymously. Uh, dedicated in loving memory, and Lilu Nishmat Shimon Ben Masuda, Alava Shalom, sponsored by his grandson Dorel Melul. Um, in loving memory of Albert David Misri, Alava Shalom, Lilu Nishmat. Avraham David Ben Yafa, Alava Shalom, sponsored by Linda and Morris Misri and family. Hazaku Baruch, Ruach Eden. Sponsored by Stephen Rapport in honor of Dr. Moshe Israeli, a good friend of the community and a dedicated congregant for our synagogue for 10 years. And the week of cold brew is sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. Um, also sponsored by Rachel and the rest of the kids in honor of uh, our Chazan Shmuel Levy's birthday, uh, which I think was yesterday and today. Shvi Be'ezat Hashem Sha'ah Tova Umutzlahat. Okay. Um, now, Rabotai. There's a beautiful pasuk that I think is, is worth uh, an interesting look. And I say that as a pun that you won't get until you really hear the rest of the shi'ur. The pasuk tells us, Al tabit me'acharecha, don't look behind you. Rather run and escape for your life, run to the mountains. That's what the malach tells Lot. If you want to escape, no problem. You want to escape, run away, but don't look behind you. Um, and it's interesting exactly why they weren't allowed to look behind. The simple reason given by our rabbis is, the pasuk says, Vayiskor, and Hashem remembered Avraham. And because Hashem remembered Avraham, He saved Lot. Which means that Lot himself did not deserve on his own merit to be saved from Sodom. So therefore, although he was allowed, or although he was able to be saved, he did not merit to be able to see what was going on around him, to look at what was going on around him and still be saved. Uh, he needed to kind of be saved by being removed from the situation. He didn't have enough merit to be in it and pulled out, so to speak. And that was accomplished by looking. But it's interesting. What happens in the end? And his wife looks behind him. His wife looks behind him. Melach, and she became a pillar of salt. My friends, from this turning of the head, look at the result and the ramifications of what happens because of that. It's interesting to notice, my friends, also the incredible sachar, or the incredible reward or punishment that could come just from turning the head. In the beginning of the parasha, we find almost exactly the same thing. A tilting of the head. Abraham Avinu is not well. He sits outside his tent. Vayisa, and he raises up his eyes. Vayar, and he notices three men. So over here, Abraham does this. He sees these three men, welcomes them into his home. What's the result of that action of Achnasat Orchim? He's promised the son Yitzhak that he's been waiting for for so long. So from lifting up the head, what happens? He sees these angels, he welcomes them in. That's the beginning of the parasha. In the middle of the parasha, we read about uh, another woman who turns her head. And what's the result of that? But my friends, if you pay attention, you start to notice that this idea, the turning 
or the shifting of one's head, of their gaze, how important it can be in the consequences of a person's life. We read about the Shivatim, where the Shivatim, after having Yosef in the pit, what happens? Vayis'u, and they raise their eyes, and what do they see? They see a caravan of sellers coming along, and they sell Yosef, and Yosef gets taken down to Egypt. Again, just from a simple lifting up of the head. We have the story of Moshe Rabbeinu, where Moshe Rabbeinu uh, is walking in the desert, and suddenly there's a voice coming calling to him, Moshe, Moshe. But when does God call to him? Only after the burning bush captures Moshe's attention, where Moshe turns, Vayar Adonai Kisar Lirot. God saw that Moshe had turned to see. Fascinating. The act of turning to the bush is the act that gave Moshe Rabbeinu the opportunity to be the leader of Am Yisrael, the one who redeems them from Egypt, the one who brings Torah down to this world. All of that because someone turned to see. Fascinating. The lessons uh, that I think are hidden within this obviously are many, but I'd like to perhaps give a mashal to this end. You know, <clears throat> there was a guy who borrowed some money from his friend. Anyway, the guy lends him, uh, you know, a million dollars, he writes a contract, and he says, uh, you know, the bearer of this uh, receipt uh, lent Shimon a million dollars, and what's it called? And uh, this payable upon request. Okay. Uh, Morris will tell us already that's the worst contract that was ever written in the history of contracts. But yet, this is what the guy does. He writes the contract, Shimon, whatever. Okay. So, the little while passes by. He comes to collect the money. He tells Shimon, you owe me a million dollars. Guy said, I'm sorry, I don't know who you're talking about. My name is Levi. He said, what do you mean your name is Levi? He said, my name is Levi. I don't, you keep calling me Shimon. You know, you're showing me this piece of paper that says the name Shimon on it. I'm not Shimon. If you find Shimon, Hazakubaruch, I hope you have good luck collecting from him. That's not my name. Anyway, the Beddin, this is before they have, uh, you know, thumb printing and before they have uh, documents that prove someone's identity. Beddin, they, they say, well, do you have proof that the guy's name is Shimon? He says, I don't have proof. I don't, you know, what, what do you want for my life? The guy came to me. I thought he was an honest guy. I lent him the money. And the Beddin says, we're really sorry. We can't help you. You haven't established the identity of this fellow. Anyway, uh, the guy feels terrible. He says, okay. All of a sudden, he gets an idea. He says, I guess, I guess you're right. Michila, it's a case of mistaken identity. Um, I hope I'll find the right guy. Collect the money from him. Levi turns to walk out of the, the courthouse. He can't believe uh, his good fortune, that his ruse paid off. As he walks out, he's about to leave the courthouse. Reuven shouts out, he says, Shimon, you left your wallet. Hada Levi turns around, he says, Oh, Mechila. <laughs> he comes back, where did I leave it? He's over there on the table. Of course, the Bedin, the judge, the witnesses, everyone saw that he said Shimon, and what happened? He turned around. For turning around, you could lose a million dollars. For swiveling your head, you could lose a million dollars. You know when I noticed this more than any other time? During the bidding on the high holidays. <laughs> you know, $10,000. Some guy has to scratch his head. 
11,000. You see the guy, he's so nervous, right? You move, you think the guy's bidding, right? My friends, life is like that. With a turn of the head, with a lifting up of the eye, with a noticing of something, a person could have either the greatest sakhar or the greatest onish. If you turn to look, the question only is, what are you turning to look at? There's a beautiful line that's brought from the Kliyakar. The Kliyakar says that when, uh, when Lot, when he saw the situation of the people in Sidom, he thought he was going to be saved. He thought he was okay. He thought he was a good guy. And you know why he thought he was a good guy? He thought he was a good guy because at the end of the day, the people around him were horrible. They were wicked. They would slash your tires and your legs. Right? They would do all sorts of terrible things. So as compared to the people around him, Lot was very happy with his level. But the Malach says to Lot a little bit of a criticism. He said to him, Don't look at the people who are behind you and decide that you are at an acceptable level. You know, could you imagine a guy who's running a race, trying to win a race, and he looks and he sees his people behind him. He's in front of the people behind him. But you're behind the people in front of you. You didn't win the race because there's someone behind you. You only win the race if there's no one in front of you. So Lot, unfortunately, he thought he was going to merit everything. The Malach gives him a double-edged sword. He tells him, you can't look behind you. You know why? Only reason why you're being saved is because of Vayiskor Hashem remembered Avraham. And God did not want to bring the pain and suffering to Avraham that his nephew would pass away. So Hashem has to save Lot, not on the merit of Lot, but on the merit of Avraham. So the Malach tells him, what got you to the situation where you're at this mediocre stage, this mediocre level in your life, by looking at the people behind you and ascertaining that that was a good, which way is your head swiveling? And he brings a beautiful expression that we all know. We say in, uh, in the tefillah, Meshamayim ima'al v'ala'aretz mitahat. Meshamayim, when it comes to issues, to matters of spirituality, mima'al, look at those above you and try and chase their tails. Decide where you are by looking at those that are in front of you. V'ala'aretz, and when it comes to physical things and physical possessions, don't always be looking at people that have more and decide that you don't have enough, but rather, mitahat. when it comes to matters of physicality of this earth, look at people that are underneath you and say how blessed you are because you have more than them. The question, my friends, always is a judicious use of the way you turn your head. Which way do you look? Forward, back, right, left. Are you lifting your eyes, my friends, to be able to find a person in need like Avraham? Are you raising your eyes to see where you could find guests? That's what Avraham is raising his eyes for. The Shibatim, in their lowest moment, are lifting their eyes to find a solution for their brother. They want to get rid of him. They're looking to find that solution. And bederech she'adam lelech, in the way that a person wants to go, Hashem, Hashem leads you. So if you're looking to get rid of your brother, Hashem will make it already 
you'll have available options. If you're looking, on the other hand, to find guests, Hashem will bring you guests out of thin air. Magnificent. In the Pasuk also you find that when Yosef is being sold, <clears throat> they lift their eyes, and behold, they find these merchants. Every time you find the word behold means it was something that wasn't there before. There was a miraculous element. Behold, it's almost like a surprise. Oh my gosh, who are these merchants? What's going on here? The merchants we know that came and sold Yosef down to Egypt, there was something miraculous about them. Those merchants normally carry foul-smelling pitch and other things along with them to sell. But because Yosef was a Sadiq, so God arranged that these unique sellers should come by that never come by, that had other goods, sweet-smelling spices and bisamim. My friends, in each scenario, a miracle occurs. A miracle occurs that angels should come so Abraham can wait on them and get his mitzvah and get his son, the son he's been waiting for, he's been praying for, because that's what he's looking for. And unfortunately, miraculous merchants can come along, selling sweet-smelling spices, giving you an out so you could sell your brother as a slave to someone else. The only question, my friends, is what are we lifting up our eyes to look for? What are we searching for? What are we looking to accomplish? In every one of these scenarios, my friends, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will ultimately help us achieve what it is that we want. My friends, it's so instructive that the pasuk that uh, is said to Lot by the Malach, Al tabit don't judge your good level by looking at those behind you the circumstances that you find yourself in, I think that is one of the greatest lessons in life. You know, sometimes you have a guy in the synagogue, you know, he talks a little bit in the synagogue. He looks around, he says, other people speak much more. People here talking nonstop. Okay, so I spoke two seconds. Two seconds. So if you judge yourself by those beneath you, that's how it will be. A person speaks Tashon He excuses it. Why? Because everyone speaks Tashon how many times have you heard those words? Look, it's not so honest, but look, this is what everybody does. Guy came to me once, we were talking about a dishonest business practices. And I mentioned that sometimes a person uh, does a certain dishonest business practice. I'm not going to mention which one it was, but sometimes people do this. And uh, unfortunately, it's not allowed. It's gnevadat, it could, according to some opinions, it's stealing. Guy comes up to me afterwards, shook. He says, Rabbi, I don't know what you want me to do. Literally what you described now is my entire, the entire industry that I'm in. That's how you operate. The only possible way to operate in that industry is to do this. This is what I do morning, noon, and night. What you just, what you just suggested was, was either dishonest or stealing. So I said to him, I hear your problem. What are you going to do about it? He came to me to tell me that what you're asking is very difficult because this is how I've chosen to make my business. And this is what a lot of people that I know in my community, this is what they do. He was expecting me to say, oh, that, no, don't worry about that, that's fine. Everybody does that. Who's this everybody? Who, who are they? Who, who are these, that, these everybody that you decide 
to rate your actions by them. And I always, you know, imagine this question. You know, Lot decides to judge himself by those that live in his immediate vicinity. But Lot, Hazaku Baruch, you're better than you're the people in the neighborhood. But as we all remember the song from our childhood or from our kids' childhood, who are the people in your neighborhood? <laughs> in your neighborhood. You move to Sidong, dip. You move to the place where they're killing people and robbing people and turning people away even if it's their last breath, watching guests die because they won't do Achnasar Orchim. Who put you there? You turned there. Interesting enough, Lot's descent to Sedom begins with those exact words. Avraham says to Lot, where do you want to live? And what does Lot do? And he lifts his eyes and he sees all the pasture of Sodom. And our rabbis tell us that the pasture of Sodom that he saw, it was well watered, does not only refer to the grass, to the shrubs, to the, uh, what's it called, to the trees, but it refers also to the immorality, to the terrible nature of the place that he was looking at. Lot was drawn to sit in city. And when he moved there, and when he moved into that place, he started to think of himself in, the, in those terminologies. My friends, tzedakah that you give, if you're judging yourself by people who are not connected to the laws of Maaser, you're probably giving more than most. But why is most your barometer? Like if you don't murder people, you're better than the Taliban. Th that makes you a good person? So who are you judging yourself by? I always thought, like I said, it was so beautiful and instructive that Lot is being told not to judge himself by those behind him. And who's he being saved in merit of? Avraham. Who Avraham manages to live amongst an ocean of idol worshippers and decide that he's going to set himself like his name suggests Avraham Ha'ivri, where we have the root of the word Hebrews, Ha'ivri, he got that moniker because, as the Midrash explains, the whole world was Al-Khad Ever de Nahar on one side of the Nahar, and he was on the other Ever. So he was Avraham Ha'ivri. He was Avraham who put himself on the other side. You're being saved in the merit of that man. Maybe you could learn a little bit from his way of judging himself, from his way of deciding what barometer he would use to be able to ascertain his own righteousness. May Hashem bless us to have good friends. May Hashem bless us to have good neck muscles, to turn our head towards mitzvot, towards the right people, to look up when it comes to matters of spirituality and to chase those that are ahead of us, and when it comes to matters of physicality, to look behind us and to see people that have less than us and to be happy with what we have and not always want more and more and more. Uh, the Pasuk says, Orech Yamim, right? Mimino. Right? All these things. Mismolo. Right? Sorry. Lev Chacham Limino. The heart 
of a wise man is to his right. And the heart of a fool is to his left. The rabbis explain it in the mashal. They said, we just started Masechet Ta'anit in our Sunday uh, and Wednesday Gemara class. The heart of a wise man, he looks to the right of the book. You know, the uh, Sefer, a Jewish book opens, you reread from right to left. So he finishes one page, he looks to the right, Ah, Baruch Hashem, I finished one page. The lev of a fool turns to the left, he says, Shema Yisrael, how many pages we have left? <laughs> you know when you notice this? On Yom Kippur. You see a guy walks in, he looks at the machzor, he finally finds the place, then you see him look at the side of the machzor, how many pages he has left. The heart of a fool looks at how many pages you have left. The heart of a wise man looks and says, Shuf, we already did 200 pages. Baruch Hashem, is beautiful. It wasn't so bad up until now. I'll be fine in the future. Um, may Hashem bless us always to have our eyes and our hearts set in the right direction. Amen. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.